Journalist Robert Whitaker, author of books including Mad in America, interviews Sarah Fay about her mental health experiences and her memoir, Pathological, the true story of six misdiagnoses. I understood that you have these things going on in your life. Your parents are divorcing, you're going to a new school, and that can be, you know, very problematic for a child and very upsetting. You were told the problem was within you, right? Yes. That you had anorexia. And what's really interesting, what you just said is, and you began adopting your adapting behaviors to prove yourself that you had anorexia, right? You started taking on the character of, of someone with anorexia. But you didn't realize you were doing that, of course. No, no. I mean, it wasn't that I was faking. It was absolutely in keeping with what I was experiencing in my body with a stomach ache and not wanting to eat. And it was very much you know, in keeping with the weight I was losing. I mean, I, my weight was dangerously low, but it really became extreme once I started being an anorexic and thinking of myself that way. Um, and that partly, I think, because I was so young and that's when you are figuring out your identity. That's when you are trying on different identities. And that's what worries me. And one of the reasons I wrote the book, I teach at Northwestern um, and I see it in my students all the time, that they are identifying so strongly with the diagnoses they've been given. And it's really a part of their identities at this point. And it's at that time when you're just trying things on and you're so vulnerable. Yeah, I think this is one of the things going back to what Alan said, when I'm an old guy. So when I was growing up, you just didn't have people being presented with this possible identity. You just didn't. There were bullies, goof offs, screw ups, that sort of thing. But you really weren't presented with the opportunity to become a mental patient at age 12. That wasn't very common. But you were now introduced into an identity that's going to carry forward with you for decades. Is that correct? Exactly. And I think it's really important to note that my primary care physician, my pediatrician gave me the diagnosis because my, we often talk about psychiatrists, but five of my six diagnoses that I ended up with came from primary care physicians who I saw for about 15 minutes and, you know, once a year or whatever it might be. And that's really, especially if you see, if you have a man in a white coat with a stethoscope giving, you know, it's often in a hospital giving you a diagnosis, why would you ever question its scientific validity, its medical, you know, soundness or its reliability? So that leads you down a path. Your career does go along, but at the same time, you're, you're moving through different stages of, of diagnoses. You go to, I think your next is, is it the, I don't know, there's depression, anxiety, OCD, ADHD, and bipolar. So as you're moving through these different diagnoses, what are you saying to yourself? First, you have anorexia, but now you have depression. Are you saying that like it was undiagnosed before or like this is just the evolution of mental illness within me? What are you saying to yourself as you move through these different diagnoses? And, you know, this is the late 90s. So diagnoses were not talked about in the public discourse the way they are now. So when I was receiving these diagnoses, they were pretty new to me. I didn't think I didn't have a million friends who had the diagnosis as well. I didn't have people I could talk to about it. But what had happened was with the anorexia diagnosis, I already saw life through a lens of diagnosis. So when there's a problem, you look for the solution and the solution is a diagnosis right? The solution is going to come from the diagnosis. We're going to figure out the diagnosis and then we're going to figure out what's wrong with you. And that was the path I went down. So when I got, when I was told that I had major depressive disorder, 
I thought, and my mind you, I was, and I write about this, but I was grieving very seriously. It just happened to be for my cat of 16 years. And that's not acceptable <laughs> for the bereavement exclusion. And anyone who loves cats right now is just going to want to write letters to someone about this. But it was, it was very difficult for me. And I grieved for about two years and was over-exercising. And, you know, I was um, crying all the time and experiencing what this one doctor saw as, you know, signs and symptoms of major depressive disorder. But because I already saw life through the lens of diagnosis, I I think I accepted them more readily. So Alan talked about how a diagnosis begets a treatment, because we had these specific treatments for it, which as a first line of treatment, of course, is drugs, whether it be an an antidepressant or an antipsych, whatever it might be, but, you know, there's specific agents. As you look back on the different treatments, the different exposure to different drugs, can you see in any way how those the drug treatment itself began to stir a different you and perhaps even help push you along into these do diagnostic categories? What's interesting about that is I at the time they weren't giving anorexics medication, so they weren't prescribing. I never received a medication actually until I was in my, I guess it would be late 30s. Um, so I had already received all these diagnoses. I was the kind of person who wouldn't take aspirin. I mean, I was just very anti-medication. I was scared of what it was going to do to me. And I think what else is important is I tried everything. Often people with mental illness, and I am someone with a mental illness or who had one, depending on how we think about it, um, were shamed by relying too easily on a drug or something like that. And I really did everything I could. I meditated. I even met, I even got to meet Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, I practiced yoga for 20 years. I mean, I tried everything, Chinese herbs. I did DBT, CBT, ACT. I mean, all these um, things that were supposed to help But at the time, they still talked about diagnoses. So CBT, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is an alternative to psychotropic drugs, but it also reified my diagnosis. It still said I was treating my diagnosis. Um, But I will say that once I was on, as soon as I was on the medication path, it went very fast. So it didn't matter that it was only about 10 years, because as soon as I, you know, I had taken and um, first I was given, well, I had been given Valium when I was um, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. But later, once I was given an antidepressant, and then I started getting other diagnoses, but I was put on ADHD medication then taken off that, then, you know, the mood stabilizers came in, then lithium, then antipsychotics, and it went very, very fast. And I think to your point, the really important thing was I stopped questioning them too. Because if you're not questioning the diagnosis, you're not going to question the treatment that much because why would you? You know, I thought, again, I thought we were just getting to the bottom of it. I thought we were just getting to the answer. And so, and I had akathisia. I mean, I had horrible side effects from antipsychotics, which is where you just feel like you're crawling out of your skin and you can't stop moving. And it was awful. And I still wanted to stay on them because I thought, oh, it's got to get better you know, and that this is the answer. So um, you've done a really nice job here of showing how this lens of diagnosis really shaped your life and eventually led to medications that also you were 
seeing through this lens of diagnosis and all. You know, how did you change your thinking? And what was that like to change your thinking when you started seeing, well, well, maybe these diagnoses aren't valid. They're not valid scientifically. So how did that happen? And what was that like for you to suddenly question the very story you had organized your life around and seen yourself through? So I was at this point, um, in my 40s, and I was in crisis. I had been suicidal on and off for about a year. I was had been diagnosed at that point with bipolar one, and I had a falling out with my psychiatrist, who was also my therapist. And the falling out came because I started to see that when your therapist and your psychiatrist are the same person, you have no one to talk to your med about, you know, no one to talk to about your meds, or is this psychiatrist the right person for me? And so I had asked him, can I see someone else for therapy and continue to see you for psychiatry? And he said, no. And at the time I was um, almost out of medication. And so, you know, I was going to just walk out, but I said, you know, I need you to refill my prescription and he wouldn't do it. And so I left to, he said, have your primary care physician do it. She had just retired. And, and so I was, and I, meanwhile, I'm in crisis. I mean, I'm not in a place I'm extremely, I don't ever like the word fragile, but I was at that time, extremely fragile. And so the idea of finding a new psychiatrist or finding a new primary care physician was just completely seen beyond me. But luckily I am one of those, I think fairly rare people who had the support of my family. And I know how lucky I am to have had that. And my sister found a new psychiatrist. I went to see him. He was, he's kind of a flashy guy. (laughs) So, uh, but I went to see him and we had our 27 minute or 34 minute first session. And I waited at the end for him to tell me and proclaim from on high what diagnosis I had, whether it was a new diagnosis or he would, you know, reify the old diagnosis or what it would be. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know what you have. And my whole world changed. I mean, I, I'm still, he's, he's still my psychiatrist actually, because I was so grateful to him for his transparency. And I didn't actually know what to do with that information, but not only did I start to see myself differently, although that took you know quite a few years, but the whole world, that afternoon, I remember walking out of his office and walking down Chicago Avenue in Chicago, and it just seemed crisper. It was colder, but it was also more vibrant. And it was like someone had just told me the truth. And so then I started researching. I wanted to know everything about mental health diagnoses. I had never heard of the DSM. I didn't know where they came from. And I just took it upon myself as a writer to find out everything I could. And, you know, both your book, Bob and Alan's were fundamental in that. And they just helped me see what was really happening, just the full picture. That was all I wanted. Um, And so, but it was really scary. You know, I have to admit that I was so attached to my diagnosis. I had found myself in it. I had defined myself by it. I mean, I had filed for disability at one of my universities. So, did I have a disability? Did I not have a disability? Do I have a mental illness? Do I not have a mental illness? I was suicidal. You know, I don't, I didn't know what to do with all the information that I had. And I mean, I'm very fortunate that I had a purpose and that I had, you know, my research and then eventually the writing of my book to carry me through that time. This material in an excerpt from a longer podcast or video, follow link in description to learn more.